What's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom. Um, episode 28, we are a week or so into 2024. So I hope this podcast is finding you in a place where you are letting go of things that happened in 2023 and having the confident expectancy that 2024 is going to be your best year yet. Um, as I always say, I am a expert at nothing, um, but know a little bit about a few things. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to answer y'all's questions, your deeper questions, your more hard hitting questions, your uh, harder to answer questions um, sometimes too, which I really, really love the challenge and love the deep connection that we can have here at Walk on Wisdom. So if you are finding this show for the first time, um, if you want to send in questions, if you want them to remain anonymous, make sure you say anonymous, um, but you can send those questions into podcast at michaelchandler.com and we will answer them. Um, and then as we always do, answering a specific question to a specific person a lot of times. And what I've heard from so many of you guys is that um, gleaning information and wisdom and discernment from answering and listening to the answers to other people's questions. So with that, we will get right into it. And uh, first question comes from Dalton. Hey, Michael, I want to start off by saying you're a huge inspiration to me when it came when it comes to being a man of faith and a role model and the type of man I hope to grow into. I'm 27 and have been dating this girl for roughly the past year or so. It has been a very different relationship just because she has a four year old that I've come to love as I would my own. And she's even told me that she loves me too. But I personally have been struggling with the insecurities with the father and her ex as he is a bigger man and has a more quote unquote masculine job. I've never had to deal with a situation like this and she has a good relationship with his mom and she has a good relationship with his mom as well. My insecurities kept coming up and made me think I wasn't big enough or manly enough for her to her, which I think ultimately drew her away from me and made her fall less and less attracted to me. She told me she'd love me through all of my insecurities, and I told her I'm going to continue to work on them. That being said, I also have a good paying job. I'm a driven, godly man, stay in the gym and take good care of her and her daughter. I wanted to become a great husband. I want to, to become a great husband and step and stepfather one day, but she has recently told me she just isn't happy anymore and she has called it quits. I haven't heard from her in about a week and I find myself feeling never good enough for anyone to fight for in the end. What would your advice be here? Sorry for the long message. And I hope this made sense. Um, Dalton, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, you know, number one, we start with the very beginning, uh, you're in a relationship, um, for over a year. Um, the girl that you were in a relationship has a four-year-old and then with that four-year-old obviously comes a ex um, boyfriend, maybe husband, um, a father, a, a, another father, the biological father of the four-year-old, um, in the picture, which, um, I've never been in that scenario, but there would always be the question of, okay, well, he, number one, he needs to be in her life. Cause I do believe even if two adults can't work it out and they need to not be together anymore, they still brought a child into the world. So for the longevity the peace and the happiness, the, the self image of the four-year-old. I think it is if that man, the biological father is not a toxic human being, um, obviously wanting him to still be a part of her life, the daughter, um, the daughter, I think we said it was daughter. Um, but the four-year-old, for some reason, I thought it was a daughter. Maybe it said there somewhere there, but the four-year-old, the child, no matter what, it is good for the biological child to 
to have a, or the biological father to be a part of that four-year-old's life no matter what. Now, that's much easier said than done. I can tell you right now, I would know for a fact that if I was in that scenario, I would know being a man and knowing what the what the impact of the the biological father in the family is, no matter what the family looks like, I would know without a shadow of a doubt, black and white, 100% unequivocally, that the biological father of my new girlfriend, I would want him to be in the life, in their life, but it would not mean that there wouldn't come about many insecurities. Um, most of the time, and anybody who's listening right now, obviously everybody that we're dating at a certain age, we know they have exes. Uh, we know they have ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, maybe ex-husbands, maybe ex-wives. And there would always be an insecurity if the person you were with, the person you were dating, the person you were in a relationship with has to have contact with that person. Obviously, in this scenario, when you had to have a child together, they have to stay in contact when it comes to visits, when it comes to sharing custody or where, whether it comes to um, that biological father seeing the four-year-old. So even though we know there's so many times in life that we know this is how it needs to be, this is the best thing for the child, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be insecurities. Um, with that being said, you said that he's bigger or more manlier or more masculine or has a masculine job. You didn't really allude to what it was, but that would obviously bring about some insecurities. I mean, and what I'm hear, hearing here, and obviously what I say, I say this all the time, it's much easier said than done, but Dalton, we need to work on that self-image. We need to work on what you bring to the table. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, let's focus on what you do have. Let's focus on why she chose you in the very beginning. She obviously chose you for over a year. Um, we all have insecurities. We all have downfalls. We all have chinks in our armor. We all have things that we can work on, of course, but we will all have things that we bring to the table. And a lot of times we focus so much on what we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. Now, with that being said, obviously this relationship has now ended. And she, she said she wants to call it quits and you haven't heard from her in about a week. And that would be one of the longest weeks of your life, I am sure. Um, so you find yourself feeling never good enough for anyone to fight for in the end. And that's just not true. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. It's time. We've all felt like that at times. Once again, easier said than done. But everyone is willing. Everyone is good enough and is worthy of being fought for. Um, in this scenario, and I talked about this, I think on episode 27, last episode, um, we talk about a breakup. Anytime anybody's going through a breakup and I've been talking to one of my close friends over the last uh, six months or so about a very tough breakup where you feel like you lost a piece of yourself, where you feel like life is different now and it's not different in a good way. It's hard to find the sunshine through all the rain. It's hard to, it's hard to see the good through all the bad because... When a heart is broken or whenever you feel like you are being left, abandoned, not fought for, whatever it may be, all the different feelings and emotions that well up whenever a breakup like this happens, there's nothing more attractive, there's nothing more desirable than a person 
man or a woman who can stand confidently on their own two feet. And we talked about this last episode because there was a breakup that happened and it's, they said things like loneliness and depression and sadness and fear and doubts and insecurities and all these different things. And while those are to, those feelings are to be human, human, that is the way God created us. He created us to be very, very deeply feeling and emotional human beings. It's human nature that we will feel those things. But at some point we have to realize that the Calvary isn't coming. At some, at some point we have to realize that being downtrodden, down in the valley, being hopeless, sad, depressed. These things are seasons that maybe we need to go to to find the better version of ourself. But standing confidently on your own two feet, focusing just on yourself. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, they are gone. Yeah, that job is gone. Yeah, I lost this fight. Yeah, I missed this opportunity. Yeah, I lost this amount of money or I lost this job. These things aren't going going right for me. These things, these things I I attached my heart, my soul, my identity, my worth to, it's gone. Now, I can sit here and keep sulking or I can decide that today is the day that the sun really did rise again and I have another opportunity to get better. And in a relationship, when you're left, when you're lonely, when you're sad, there's nothing more desirable and attractive than a person who is standing confidently on their own two feet, whether he or she comes back or not. If she needs to come back for you to feel whole, it's a good indicator that you have a lot of work to do. If he needs to come back in order for you to feel whole, it's a good indicator that we have a lot of work to do. If those zeros in your bank account need to show up and magically appear for you to feel a feel like a man or a woman of worth, then we got a lot of internal work to do. Insert achievement here, whatever it may be. If that thing needs to come back to you or that thing needs to be accomplished or attained for you to feel confident in standing on your own two feet, then we got a lot of work to do. And let this answer to this question for Dalton or anybody else who is listening. Take stock in your life and what we're looking at and all the different areas and where are we performing? Where am I performing for, for, for myself making it personal to me? Where am I performing as a father? Where am I, where am I performing as a husband? Where am I performing as a fighter, as an athlete, as a businessman? Where, where am I performing in my faith? How am I doing? Am I at a one or am I at a 10? And look at that pinwheel and realize what is somewhat out of sync Perfect balance is a myth, I believe, but focusing solely on these one or two areas where you're really lacking um, is something that is going to, as a byproduct, raise your levels in all the other areas as well. So um, <clears throat> we're talking insecurities. We're talking um, you're less than. We're talking you are not as masculine. We're talking you are not as insert adjective here, good looking, talented, smart, funny, cute, thin, jacked, whatever it may be, all of these different things that we wish we were or somebody else has that we wish we had, A, take steps towards making those things so, but also B, take stock in the things that you do have instead of focusing just on the lack. So Dalton, I feel for you in this scenario. 
anybody who's listening right now who has been through or is going through something like that, um, it's tough. Because like I said, feeling like your heart is broken and you are being left and thrown thrown away and left by the wayside and not fought for um, is not a good feeling. But sometimes we have to go through those really, really tough times to then make that change that was the catalyst, that was the coiling of the spring to become the person that you were fashioned to be, to be, become the man or woman that you were supposed to become. So Dalton, I encourage you and uh, keep on moving forward and take stock in who you are, whose you are, and what you want to become and watch the rest of the areas of your life where you are lacking start to fall together. Next question comes from Chris. Dear Iron Michael, first off, I want to say thank you for being such an inspirational figure for me to go to for a question of this magnitude. My name is Chris. I'm currently stationed in Tokyo, Japan in the Air Force. My father passed away recently unexpectedly and had completely changed my life. I had my first amateur MMA fight scheduled a month after he passed. I wanted to pull out of the fight, but my father loved watching me compete. So needless to say, I decided to stick with it in honor of my dad and won my debut in 29 seconds. And I have to say, I am absolutely addicted now. I All-American in college wrestling and have some jujitsu competition experiences, but nothing quite compared to the rush and glory I felt fighting. Here's my question. That kind or here, here's my question that kind of has two parts. When slash how did you make your definitive decision to pursue the passion, your passion of MMA while ignoring what society wants from everyone? Another nine to five worker, not daring to be great. It takes a lot to go against the grain, yet I did. Secondly, my faith as a Christian comes first above all else. And I worry that if I pursue fighting, I will begin to, to self-worship and idolize the glory that comes with being successful in it. How do you manage staying so humble before God and other people when you have so much or when you have such epic success in something people worship to watch? Sorry for the long rant, but thank you so much for hearing hearing me out. Take Connor's head off for me. Um, well, number one, Chris, thank you uh, for the kind words and blessings to you and your family. Um, peace and contentment. Um for the loss of your father, which is, was very unexpected. And as I was reading this, um, I thought about myself. Um, you know, my father has gone through some health issues here and there. Um, and I always kind of play devil's advocate or kind of think, fantasize, I guess, visualize what would I do? How would I react? How would I respond if I had lost my father during a training camp, having a fight booked? And I don't know because that has, has not happened to me, but I would expect myself to well up and become more courageous and more resilient and go out and fight in his honor. So I commend you. Um, and I honor you, Chris, for doing, um, just that losing your father. Um, I think you said it was a, yeah, a month, a month after your dad passed and you still stepped inside that cage and won your first fight in 29 seconds. You still braved the unknown. You still were able to compartmentalize. You still were able to muster up the courage, guzzy up the gumption to step inside and compete when something so traumatic as losing your father happened to you just a month prior. So I want to honor you for that. Um, As for your questions, um, how did I make that definitive decision? 
um, for me, it was pretty easy. Uh, luckily, my parents, you know, my parents were on board because uh, back then I was just leaving college. Um, or actually, I was in my senior year of college. Tyron Woodley was already fighting in Strike Force. Ben Askren was already fighting in Bellator. So those guys were like my big brothers. I already knew I, I didn't want to keep wrestling because I thought it was unrealistic. Um, you know, obviously, we're on this show. You guys aren't going to ever hear me. You know, not have big big goals, big dreams, big, big, big visualizing, big successes. But I did think in that eight or sorry, 22 year old transition, as I was transitioning out of college that I had a better path, an easier path, or a, I guess, truthfully, a more fresh path of going mixed martial arts instead of continuing wrestling and being a wrestling coach and trying to climb the wrestling Olympic ladder. Um, because it was going to be, a, I, I thought it was going to be a lot more, le- a lot less successful there trying to compete against Jordan Burroughs and David Taylor's and actually, sorry, David Taylor was a couple of years later, but insert all those names of all those guys. I wasn't going to be able to beat those guys, but I was going to be able to come over to Bellator, Strike Force, one of these other places. I thought I could beat BJ Penn at that time. I thought I could beat Matt Hughes at that time, whatever these, these 155ers were, I thought I could do it. I thought I could go out there and compete against Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynards and all these guys. Whereas in wrestling, I didn't. So that was why my, that's why I might made my choice. And I knew I didn't want to just go into the workforce. You know, you alluded to society wants to put you in a box and say, Hey, we need more factory workers, more nine to five workers, more pencil pushers, more people at a desk sitting in the cubicle rotting away. Um, that's what they say. Um, and I wanted to keep competing. So that's why I did mixed martial arts. So it was pretty simple for me. And really I wanted to give it a try. And, uh, August of 2009, I had my first fight tried my first fight just to see how it, how it felt. And then I've been trying it for 15 years and it turned into obviously a pretty darn fruitful and successful and, and happy, uh, career. Um, your second question, my faith as a Christian is first above all, but I worry that if I pursue this mixed martial arts thing, this platform thing, um, this thing that people love, this thing that people are attracted to, this thing that pe- that moves people and makes people feel something, how do I make sure that I don't then become someone who is so ego-driven, self, uh, self-consumed, narcissistic that I put my faith in myself and idolize myself or idolize this sport more than I idolize God, more than I idolize my faith, more than I, how do I pour how do I pour into my faith just as much as I pour into my body, my physical, my physical prowess, my training, my training partners, my coaches, the platform, you know, I'm on a, a pretty good platform these days. Um, huge fight scheduled against Connor in June, um, massive amounts of media, massive amounts of attention, massive amounts of success, endorsements, money, opportunities, all of these different things. Um, but for me, yes, I've grown over the last decade and a half. I have continued to gain more and more confidence in myself, in my my worth, if you will, my image, if you will. Um, I've learned how to play the game a little bit. I've learned the right things to do, the wrong things to do. For me, the training has always been easy. Um, it was always easy for me to be disciplined. It was easy for me to put massive amounts of work. And it was easy for me to say no to the things I needed to say no to and say yes to the things I needed to say yes to. It was always easy for me. 
Because ultimately, success is rented. It's never owned. And the rent is due every single day. And that's the way I've always approached it. <clears throat> but I think it's, uh, you know, but this is about being a Christian. And I would challenge you, Chris. I would challenge you, Chris. And I would, and I would challenge every single Christian on this listening right now. This is exactly what the devil wants. If I was the devil, I would get in Chris's mind. If I was the devil, I would get in your mind and tell you, but go ahead and do that thing, but don't become too successful because then bad things will happen. If I was the devil, I'd say, hey, it's okay to pursue what you want to pursue. Just don't get too famous, too wealthy, too rich, too successful, too influential. Don't get too big of a platform. Don't have too much success because then other people will feel insecure around you. Or you're going to fall into the same traps that this celebrity did, or this rich guy did, or this CEO did, or this business owner did. If I was the devil, I would tell you all the reasons why you should pursue something, but don't be too successful at it. And I've listened to that lie many, many times. I believe part of the reason why I've fallen down sometimes, not won fights, not been as successful as I should have been sometimes is because I think I listened to not just that little guy from that little town who was taught to do little things. That was my, my background, my upbringing, if you will. But then the enemy and a lot of times the inner me has continued to say, okay, well, you can be successful. Just don't become too successful because with a lot of success, bad things can happen. And it's all about growth. It's all about becoming better. It's all about each rung that you climb up on the ladder of success, continuing to surround yourself with the right people, continuing to engage in the things that you know are right. Because one big thing that we sometimes forget is that we all know the right things and the wrong things. I say this, I say this all the time, or at least I think it all the time. We all know what the right thing is and what the wrong thing is. You might sometimes go down the wrong path thinking you're doing the right thing and it turns out to be wrong. You might get slighted. You might get taken advantage of. You might have the wool pulled over your eyes. You might encounter a wolf in sheep's clothing. You might make a mistake. You might have a momentary lapse of judgment. But all in all, we know what the right things are and the wrong things are. And it's not that hard to make the right decision. It's not that hard to say yes to the things you're supposed to say yes to, the things that feel good to say yes to, and say no to the things that give you that weird feeling in your gut, that weird pit in your stomach. It's not that hard to say no to those people, those things. It's not that hard. So that's how I would answer that question. I believe it's the enemy who tries to get in our minds to say, hey, if you're going to pursue this thing, that's cool, but make sure you only get to this level, this temperature, this rung, because anything past that, you might fall. You might hit a snare, hit a snag, hit a stumbling block, when really maybe past that is where you're supposed to go. And that's where the real true impact can be. That's where the real true mountains can be moved and the lives can be changed. And, uh, I'm not sitting here saying like I saying that I've 
done a great job of silencing that enemy, that inner me, that inner voice. Um, he comes after me every single day and, uh, I've gotten pretty good at pushing him into a corner, silencing him, but he's always going to be there. So James one, five, ask for wisdom, ask for wisdom every single day. Never get too high on yourself. Never get too high on your successes. Don't rest too much on your laurels because the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And it doesn't have to be one big, huge, life-altering event. It can be one small chip, one small tick, one small rip, one small tear that leads to big, big, massive downfalls. So stay on guard, guard the, guard the gate of your mind. Um, pray James 1, 5, he who, he who lacks wisdom, ask for it and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. But good question, Chris, because I do get that question often because, <clears throat> you know, there's this idea that, you know, I've, I'm managing and handling everything so well, but trust me, guys, I'm working on it every single day. I am a sinner saved by grace, just like you guys. I am a normal human being, just like you guys. Um, it just so happens I get to play a tough guy on TV a couple times a year, and I sure am blessed to be able to do it. So thank you for that question, Chris, and keep fighting the good fight, and good things will happen. Next question comes from Caleb. <clears throat> Excuse me. We just got done working out. An hour or two ago, I like to come here in the studio. So sometimes I got the cardio cough still going on. Um, <clears throat> all right. Next question from Caleb. How do you feel God feels about fighting? If he was present on earth as he was thousands of years ago, would he support mixed martial arts combat? If not, why do Christian fighters feel the need to proclaim Christ after doing an act he would not approve of? Because the Bible states multiple times God hates violence. Psalms 11:5 The Lord trieth the righteous the righteous but the wicked the but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth I love martial arts but what but what but want to hear your opinion on the matter much love C Cope Um I think uh yes Psalms 11.5, if this is exactly the way it is written, the Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Um, I, it depends on what you think violence is. Was it, uh, Connor, was it last episode someone asked about violence? Do I think violence can be beautiful? Was it last, last episode or two ago? Yeah, and the question was, uh, hey, do you think violence can be beautiful? And I think, and I think, here's the way I answered it. I think... If I was walking down the street right now and I needed to get violent and everybody knows how violent I can get, obviously, because it's all over the internet and it's all over the, these fight highlights and all that kind of stuff. If I needed to get violent to protect somebody, to take care of somebody, to stop somebody who was going to do harm, I think that's some beautiful violence. If I am completely operating within my gifts and you, I think we posted a, a video today, kind of some some highlights of me and Justin Gaethje. I mean, I'm bleeding. I am battered. I am dropped. I am huffing and puffing. I look like an absolute psychopathic savage. But I think that violence is beautiful. 
I'm operating, operating within the confines of the unified rules of mixed martial arts in a cage in front of millions of people around the world. And Caleb cares enough and has watched me enough. And you guys have watched me enough and, and I guess trust me enough or think highly enough of me to send in your questions. And a lot of times your deep, deep questions about pain and loss and drugs and addiction and depression and heartbreak and all of these different things. So let me ask you this, Caleb, or anybody else and, or any of you, uh, uptight Christians who, uh, say that what I'm doing is, uh, a little bit too violent. And I'm not coming at Caleb right now. I, I love that he actually asked this question because I've, I get asked this question a lot and I love the, and I love being able to talk about it because I think anytime, you know, I've spoken at churches, by the way, I've spoken at men's conferences. Um, I have been on the microphone on stage at these different events. And a lot of times or sometimes they're Christian events and people love it, man. People absolutely love it. Now, with that being said, I'm sure there's some people in the crowd biting their tongue, shaking their head, saying, yeah, I don't know about that highlight. This guy, I don't know if I can trust this guy because anybody who could do that in a cage, I don't know if that's the way a Christian should operate. And that's completely fine. All I would say is, who are you as a human being, another one of God's creations, who are you to question what my calling is? As Christians, do we not want a platform to reach people? As a man of faith, do I not want the most amount of ears to be able to hear me? I am by no means perfect. I am not going to sit here and say that I deserve to be standing on stages and speaking from the pulpit and talking about Scripture and talking about my calling and talking about God's grace and all of these different things. I'm not going to sit here and say that because I don't think that God calls the qualified, he qualifies the called. I think, who are we to ever judge somebody's passion? Now, I'm sure there's things I've said that I probably wish I wouldn't have said. That is not indicative of a good Christian man, but maybe I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Maybe I love Jesus, but I stumble and fall. Maybe I love Jesus, but I'm a little bit violent. Maybe I love Jesus, but I am not perfect. Because if you're looking for perfection, please shut this thing off right now and don't ever listen and unsubscribe and don't ever send it to anybody. But I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But I love, Caleb, that you asked this question and even bringing up Psalms 11.5. Um, but I think what I do is violent, but it's a sport. I think when I think Christian athlete I think it's hard not to bring up a guy like Tim Tebow. I think it's hard not to say that Tim Tebow is probably the most outspoken athlete, Christian athlete that has ever walked the face of the earth. I think it's, it's not even close. I think Tim Tebow is easily the most outspoken Christian athlete. Do you think for one minute that Tim Tebow running the quarterback sneak, running the quarterback dive straight up the middle, on the two-yard line, runs over three dudes and carries them into the end zone, maybe concussed him, maybe injured him, maybe hurt him. You think he felt bad about it? You think those times when Team Tebow got a little animated and looked kind of psycho, 
but he was operating within his passions. Do you think he was felt bad about it? I just don't think so. Cause you can sit here and say that a Christian is supposed to be meek and mild tempered and turn the other cheek and know all the scriptures and know just what to say and kind of get that holier than thou kind of feeling. But I guarantee you, I can win more people for Christ than that type of person can. I like my Christians to be a little bit edgy. I like my men of faith to be a little bit on the fringe. I like my men of faith to be a little bit salty. Because if you remember, Paul said, I have become all things to all men so that I can win a few. If all the Christians were, sorry if I may offend anybody, but skinny, little, beta males, little, afraid to hurt feelings, little, know a lot of scriptures, no, I'm going to quote scripture to solve every little problem. No, man, that ain't real. If all the Christians were like that, I promise you, the Christian faith dies within a decade. We need dudes that are a little bit salty. We need dudes that are a little bit on the fringe. We need dudes that are a little bit violent. I'll tell you this right now. You're at the mall and something pops off. 2023. 2024, we know what can pop off with guns and violence and knives and crazy people out there. You want those skinny, little, feeble, little, scared, little Christians who are just going to sit there, drop to their knees, pull out their Bible and pray? Or you want somebody who's going to stand up and take a bullet to the chest? So that's my, that's my spiel. I don't at all, like I said, Caleb, I appreciate you, you asking this question. And anybody who's out there listening, I've gotten this question numerous times. And trust me, there's been... Christians who have disagreed with me, and that's completely fine, but that's the way I feel about it. And uh, I'm going to heaven just like you. So I'm not really that worried about it. Um, But also, I like to say too, and I always forget who said this, but it was my mentor, Chris Patterson, who said there was a pastor who told him, let me make sure I get it right. He said, live your life with so much joy and zeal that uptight Christians question your salvation. So think about that. The uptight Christians, you should be living in a way, so much joy, so much peace, maybe on the fringe a little bit, I don't know, that the uptight Christians question your salvation. And if the uptight Christians are going to question my salvation, that is completely fine. So Caleb, thank you so much, I think, opening for opening up this conversation about Christianity, faith, man of faith. Can you be a good man of faith and still punch people in the face? Do you have to turn the other cheek? You know, I think uh, I appreciate that question because I've gotten it numerous times and I'm glad we got to open it up here on Walk On Wisdom. All right. Next question. My name is Justin. My question for your podcast is how do you balance your training in your personal life? Do you find yourself fighting slash arguing with your wife when you are gearing up for a fight? Are you on edge with friends and family, or is it easy for you to separate the two? Or is it something you've learned to control over your career? I recently had my first amateur fight, and I noticed through the six weeks of training leading up to the fight, me and my wife got really close. Like we were in it together. It was really awesome. Can't wait to see you back in the cage. I'm a huge fan. Thanks, Justin. Justin, great question, man. Um, Because I, I got to be honest with you, you know, the hard thing about <clears throat> answering a question like this is, you know, I started out 
young and single. Then I meet my wife and then we get married. Now I'm just kind of a, a childless couple, right? Those first couple of years where we're just married and I got a lot of new responsibility because now I'm a husband and that's the most important thing I can be in, in my life at that point in time. And then the kids come along and now it's the most important thing is being a good father and a good husband. And, but I still need to provide and I still need to, you know, and then more business opportunities open up and all these each year, each season, each, each opportunity brings about more, more blessings, way more blessings than challenges. But of course it be- becomes challenges. Um, so the question is, how do I balance my training and personal life? Do I find myself fighting slash arguing with my wife when you're gearing up for a fight? Are you on edge with your friends and family or is it easy to separate the two? Um, or have you learned to control it? I think I've learned to control it. I think, you know, for so long, I, and I still operate this way. I don't want to make it sound like I've slacked off. I don't want to make it sound like I've cut corners. I don't want to make it sound like I care less about winning. But I think the way that I would unpack this is I've done it so many times and I've put so much pressure on myself and I've never seen how pressure ever propelled me toward a better outcome. If I don't eat perfectly, I feel like I should lose. If I don't sleep perfectly, I feel like I should lose. If I don't train perfectly, I feel like I should lose. If I don't operate perfectly and do this crazy, very, very intricate, intricate, very detailed dance of doing things perfectly, then I deserve to lose. And I lived like that for a while, years, especially after I won the first, uh, you know, beat Eddie Alvarez in our first fight, became world champion, top five in the world. So much pressure. I had to do every single thing right. I had to win every single second of every single minute of every single round of every single practice or else I felt like a failure. And then that's just the training aspect of it. Then you got the the weight cutting, the dieting, you know, nobody understands. You know, when you're, when you're deprived of, I'm never really starving myself, but I'm deprived of foods that I wish I could eat. You know, it's in my wife, I got to say, my wife is very good about this. If I'm four weeks from a fight and it's, and it's chicken and broccoli or it's steak and cauliflower and that's it. If I'm in that mode and it's, you know, 400, 500 calories per meal or whatever it might be. And I'm calorie restricting. My wife would never go grab a double cheeseburger from Hugh babies here in Nashville and some fries. And, you know, she, she would eat very similar to me. And that's, that's what I would say. She is the most supportive woman on the planet. Uh, I know there's a lot of great wives out there, a lot of great girlfriends, a lot of great moms, a lot of great women out there. Um, but to me, Mine takes the cake, right? But that's where we should be, right? <clears throat> um, but you said, um, I recently had my f- first amateur fight and uh, throughout the six week of training leading up, me and my wife got really close. And I, that's a really, really good thing, Justin. Um, feeling like you're supported, feeling like, hey, your pain is my pain or your discipline is my discipline. You know, for us, the the biggest the biggest thing that we have to deal with now is having two children and me needing to be in Florida and back and forth and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, my wife and I, we've done it so many times now it's, it's like clockwork and it's pretty, it's never easy, but it's easier than it used to be. You know, the biggest thing we have to deal with these days is she has to kind of go into single mom mode. So I'm in fighter mode. She's in single mom mode. And then on the weekends we come together and she's still in single mom mode and I'm still in fighter mode, but I'm like, let me let my guard down. Let me be back in. Hey babe, 
let's be together. And she's like, well, I'm in single mom mode, you know? So it, it's a, it's more of a mentality thing and it's okay. Cause she only has to turn that on for eight weeks at a time or what, what it may be. And I only need to turn it on for eight weeks at a time. And then after we get done, win, lose or draw, whatever the fight is, there's still a week or two where it's like, okay, what is our normal now? Forgot what I, what it was like to not have this crazy soul focus on this fight. And she forgot what it was like to be a single mother. So we're both trying to assimilate back into normal life. Obviously this last year has been challenging because of the fight getting pushed back and a year of no fights and year of no training camp. That's tough for me because I love what I do, but it's been beautiful for us and as a family and time together. Um, but I think I've just gotten better at it. Number one, don't put the pressure on yourself to do everything perfectly. If you miss a run, you ain't going to lose a fight. If you might have eaten a little bit more than you thought you were going to, just work it off later. I'm not saying cut corners, but I'm, but I'm not saying be so black and white, perfect or loser, you know, because that's how I operated. I'm either needing to be perfect or I'm going to lose. I'm going to be perfect or I'm a loser. I'm going to be perfect or I'm a slacker. I'm going to be perfect or I'm like one of, those, one of those guys that I make fun of who shows up late to practice. And it's like, no, that's, that's not the kind of guy I am. I'm a guy who's trying to do the best I can, and there's going to be times where I mess up a little bit. So Justin, great question. And that's Justin asking about an MMA career and his wife, <clears throat> but anybody who is chasing down something has a goal, has a, has a dream, has a, has a business, has a career, has a passion, whatever it may be. Ask for wisdom every single day to know how to navigate and negotiate these troubled waters that we call trying to be a person who is trying to follow their passion, but also trying to balance being good at everything. You're never going to be good at it all, all at the same time. There's going to be a season where you're doing great as a father, great as a, as a, as a mother. And then the next one, you're doing great in your job, but not so great at home. And it's okay to show yourself that grace that you're not perfect. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to be works in progress. But rest in the fact that with time, you will get better at it. If you're not good at it now, you're not good at the quote-unquote balance, or you're not good at the X, Y, Z, whatever your three things are that you need to get better at as a significant other, as a father or a mother, or as a person in your career, a coworker an employee, an employer, a business owner, an athlete, whatever, whatever it may be, know that those things will get better. Show yourself the grace over time. Keep operating with integrity, doing the best that you can, because really all you can do is the best that you can. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to do the best that we can. So Justin, great question. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Next one comes from Teddy. Hi, Michael. My name is Teddy. I'm 18 years old and I'm a huge fan of you. I just got my CU at the top crew neck and it's amazing. I also can't wait for you to end McGregor's career June 29th. Teddy, you are the man, dude. Got to see you at the top uh, shirt. Uh, new merch coming soon too. So we're going to have a bunch of cool stuff. So Teddy, Teddy, thank you for the support. I appreciate you, brother. Um, the question is, 
what is your advice for someone who got out of a toxic relationship dated for two plus years from freshman to junior year of high school? And I just couldn't take the feeling of being hurt over and over and giving my ex so many chances. I finally had enough and stuck up for myself. Now, almost after, now, almost after a year being single, I still think about her every day and can't get my mind off of our relationship. I feel like I've never experienced, I feel like I'll never experience love again and I still can't fully move on. Do you have any advice for me on how to handle thoughts like this or how do you go about it? Thanks for taking the time to answer this. Well, Teddy, you wrote it in here and so it shall be. It was a toxic relationship. Toxic relationship, two plus years. It was not two plus years wasted. It was not your freshman and junior year wasted. Maybe it's exactly what you needed to be in in order to know what the right one is going to not be. Anybody who's been in a toxic relationship and they look back, even if it was toxic, you're still going to maybe love that person a little bit or feel something for them or wish you knew what they were doing now or maybe look them up on social media or see what they're doing. It's human nature. but. You said it right here. It was a toxic relationship. So Teddy, you are better off without her. Um, you're better off. You were not created to be in toxic relationships. Obviously you didn't go into, uh, you didn't go into many details aside from the fact that you were felt hurt over and over again. And you gave her so many chances, but I can only assume that she was taking more from you, your joy, your peace, your contentment. Then she was adding to your life. Anybody who's going to hurt you over and over again, you give her a chance after chance after chance. She apologizes. She makes promises that she doesn't keep. She makes apologies that are empty. She wants you back. You feel bad, so you take her back. But finally, you had enough. You stuck up for yourself. And that is something you should hang your hat on. Too many people spend way too long in toxic relationships. Now, I'm not saying she's a bad person necessarily. Don't know her, obviously. Teddy, I don't even know you. So maybe you got a couple things you need to work on. <clears throat> we all do. Um, but this is your side of the story. But from your perspective, even if you made mistakes, even if you have so many things you need to get better, even if she writes in a question tomorrow, says she broke up with you or you broke up with her or whatever it was, but you were toxic. Even if that is true, whatever it may be, life is way too short to spend time around people who don't absolutely make us feel like we got struck by lightning. Life is way too short to spend precious moments and precious time with people that don't fill our heart up, that don't fill up our bucket, that don't make us feel better today than we did yesterday. Life is way too short and there are way too many good people way too many good alternatives for us to spend time around people that are taking from us instead of giving us life. Now, that being said, Teddy, or anybody else who's got an ex that they just can't quite get over, one thing is for certain, it's a lot harder to find something new when you're still hung up on the old. A lot of times, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying... The right girl is going to walk in tomorrow 
if you're still hung up on your ex, if you're still missing her, you're still thinking about her, you're still maybe contacting her, you're still maybe looking her up, still trying to see what she's doing, keeping tabs on her. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I am saying that door to something new stays not fully open. Maybe not even halfway open. Maybe it's just barely crept open just a little bit because you're still hanging on to the past. One thing I would say to you or anybody else is give yourself permission to completely cut them out of your life. You can't stop feelings or thoughts from happening. Okay, you can't stop feelings or thoughts from happening. Maybe you go to your old restaurant that you guys went to. Yeah, you're probably going to think about her. All right, maybe you see the color green and that was her favorite color. Yeah, you're probably going to think about her. Insert any kind of little scenario here that might make you think of your ex. You can't stop that from happening. You're going to think about them. You're going to miss them. You're going to wonder. But contacting them or looking at old pictures of them or making a playlist of y'all's favorite song and songs and listening to them for two hours and crying and thinking about them and reminiscing, these are actions that you're taking. Looking them up on social media, seeing where they're at. Are they dating somebody? What's going on? What school are they going to? What are they, what restaurants do they like? What's, have they lost weight? Have they gained weight? Did they dye their hair? What are these, all these different questions. These are physical actions that you are continuing to take down a path with someone who was toxic in your life. Two completely different things. You hear a song. Yeah. You're probably going to think about her. You didn't try to do that song popped on. You listened to it and it made you think about her. You looking her up on social media, bad boy. You go to y'all's favorite restaurant, ordering the same thing, sitting in the same booth, bad boy. You texting her friend to check on her, see how she's doing, bad boy. You don't deserve to get over her if you keep going down those paths. Now, I'm not, I'm projecting here or I'm, I'm assuming here, but anybody who is listening right now, you're never going to be able to have that door to new opportunities and greener pastures and brighter futures, that door will never swing wide open to get, to capture that opportunity, that new opportunity. That's probably a lot better than what you gave up or what you quote unquote lost. You're never going to be able to fully open that door to be able to walk through it, to be able to capture that. If you're still hung up on the past, I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying, show yourself the grace when you do think about her because you can't really control your thoughts, but you can control your actions. That would be my advice. Give yourself a permission to give yourself a full month where you don't do any of those slap on the wrist actions that you probably shouldn't be doing if you're trying to get over someone. Because as, and I'm only saying this because she's obviously not right for you if it was a toxic relationship. Life is way too short and there are way too many amazing people out there that you could be with, spend time with, be around, associate with, be attracted to. There's way more of those people out there. So you don't need to waste time, energy, effort, your heart on toxic relationships. So good question though, because there's probably a lot of people who are going through that or have gone through that. And anybody who has gone through that and they were able to get over it, they were able to move past, and then they did find someone, pat yourself on the back because it is not easy. It is a constant hamster wheel and cycle that people stay in and they waste precious time and precious energy and effort um, 
with people that they should not be around or be with. So good question. Next question comes from anonymous. So I wonder if it's juicy. <clears throat> from anonymous. Hey, Michael, hope this message finds you well. I'd prefer to stay anonymous for this one. I'm 19 year. I'm a 19 year old mixed martial artist and I've been training consistently for a few months now. And I was thinking about the gym that I train at. Let me preface this by saying that I live in the middle of nowhere so of course there aren't a lot of MMA gyms to choose from. I would like to think that I picked the best one in the area, but I'm just not sure if this gym aligns with my personal goals for martial arts, but it's very difficult for me to leave because the guys at the gym are some of my best friends and always give special attention. Just wondering what you would do in my shoes. All the love. See you at the top. Well, A, it depends on, you're 19 years old. It depends on how you see the next five years playing out. Do you want to make mixed martial arts your career? Do you want to make it your profession? Do you want to be a professional mixed martial artist and make your income based upon that? Do you love it? Are you serious about it? Is it something, um, you said you've been training consistently for a few months, um, which is only a few months. So this is, I would, I would say a little bit maybe premature to be asking this question. It's not like it's you're, you know, 24 and you got four or five fights or six fights and you're, you're in your pro fight career and things are going and you've been training there for years. And now you're asking, Hey, do I switch gyms? Because I'm just kind of outgrown it. Um, but in this scenario, you pick the best one in your area because you do live in the middle of nowhere but you're just not sure if this gym aligns with your personal goals for martial arts, but it's very difficult because the guys at the gym are some of my best friends and always give special attention. Now it is definitely a good thing to be getting special attention and have a good group, a core group of people to be around. So the question is, have you outgrown them skill wise? We don't really have a lot of indication there. Um, the other question is what is the alternative? Cause options in life are a great thing, but if we don't know what the options are to move to, how do we accurately or effectively assess whether or not our current gym, our current job, our current relationship, our current circumstances are any better, would be any better with someone else somewhere else? My suggestion would be if it was a possible, do some research, maybe visit some other gyms, maybe go take a few classes work out with a couple people at another gym, whether it be sparring or BJJ or wrestling or even weightlifting, whatever it may be, and kind of see how you feel. If these people truly are some of your best friends and they care enough about you to give you special attention, then they shouldn't feel too threatened if you kind of had a wandering eye to go look at a different gym. With that being said, of course, there are a couple barriers to entry to great, quote unquote, great gyms or the perfect gym, because obviously you said you live in the middle of nowhere um, and there's not a lot of MMA gyms to choose from. So that should make it pretty darn easy. You could probably spend one week trying out a couple of the very small pool of the other gyms and kind of see what you find. And as I would say too, you're 19 years old, which is Two years, three years earlier than I started mixed martial arts, so you're already a little bit ahead of me. You got time. You got time. Get your foundation underneath you. Enjoy it. Get bigger, faster, stronger. Get more skilled. 
fall in love with it, and then kind of see where the, where the path takes you. But this general theme is, is not just for mixed martial arts, not just for athletics or fitness or gyms, but obviously careers and career paths and passions and owning a business, starting a business, starting a side hustle, working for somebody or being someone that someone works for, all of these different questions that we have to ask ourselves. And the question always is, okay, what is my current circumstances? How do I feel about them? And is the grass greener on the other side? Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But in this particular case, I would say, try out those other gyms. If the people that you train with who are, in your words, some of your best friends, maybe they're feeling the same way. Maybe pull one aside, the one that you confide in the most, the one you trust the most, and float the idea out there and see what he or she says. But you got time. That would be my advice. Next question and last question. We will end with Tiernan. Hey, Iron Mike. From Tiernan. Hey, Iron Mike. I'm 16 years old from Australia. Shout out to Australia all the way across the pond. You're a real role model for me as I learn to navigate the world. I've just gotten out of a six-month relationship with my girlfriend. She's my best friend and I don't want her to be out of my life, but she says that she has to figure out herself and isn't ready for a relationship. Is goodbye always for good? Good luck with your fight against McGregor. Love, Tiernan. Oh, man. Question is, is goodbye always for good? No, it's not. I'm sure, Tiernan, you would love for me to say or anybody else who just got quote unquote, broken up with, or got your heart broken. Um, I would love, or I'm sure that you would love for me to say, yeah, man, my walk on wisdom radar says that, yeah, every time someone says goodbye, it's always for good and something good's always going to happen and something better's going to always come out of it. And all these cliche things that we love to say, but sometimes goodbye isn't always for good, but however it ends up working out, she said goodbye. You don't want her to be out of your life, but she says that she has to figure out herself and isn't ready for a relationship. Well, I can't tell you whether or not you guys are destined to be together. Can't tell you whether or not she's awesome and she's the one, the one, the one you want to spend the rest of your life with. She'd be a great mother to your children and a great wife to you and should do all the things that you, you want her to be as your wife and you would be everything to her that, that she needs as a husband. I can't tell you any of that stuff, but I can tell you. That right now, she needs to figure some stuff out and she isn't ready for a relationship. I can tell you this. Number one, I don't know what the average marriage age is in Australia, Tiernan, but 16 years old, you got your whole life ahead of you. I got scar tissue older than you and my left knee. So you got your whole life ahead of you. Um, You are very young, but I don't mean to downplay that or downplay that to anybody because these questions, I, I don't take them lightly. And... Even at 16 years old, which is very young, and you got a lot of life ahead of you, and I'm sure she's great, you still feel lost or you still feel like you're asking for answers. You're still trying to grasp for more answers. What I would say, just like I've said a couple times now on this episode itself, is there's nothing more attractive than a Tiernan who can stand on his own two feet. 
She's got to figure some stuff out, as she should. She's probably somewhere around 16. 16 years old, I had a lot of stuff I needed to figure out. Who am I? What do I want to do? What do I want to be? What do I want to have? How do I navigate this life going from 16 years old to quote unquote, an adult at 18 and we're getting close. And then I probably got this pressures, the societal pressures to figure out what I want to do. I got the university pressures. Am I going to go to college? Am I going to travel abroad? Am I going to go see the world? Am I going to follow in my parents' footsteps and do what they did? Am I going to, everyone always said I was good at this. So I should probably just do this. All these different things that we, and expectations that we get thrown on us as young adults. But Tiernan, I would say, rest and explore and enjoy this time, quote unquote, alone. You can be alone, but not lonely. You cannot have a girlfriend. She might be out of your, um, not out of your life. I mean, it sounds like you don't want her to be out of her life. You don't want her to be out of your life, but she says that she has to figure some stuff out. I can't tell you how to navigate it, but I can tell you, be there for her if she needs you. Show her new wrinkles of yourself as a single young man than you were whenever you were her boyfriend. I'm not saying fake things. I'm not saying, I'm not saying uh, put on a facade. I'm not saying put on a mask. I'm not saying, I'm not saying uh, change up who you are and not be, not operate within who you are. But I am saying, what does she need and what do you provide? And how can you get better at what she needs that you can provide? Nothing more attractive than a man who can stand on his own two feet. If you guys are supposed to get together, she might be the right girl at the wrong time. She might be the girl, the right girl at the right time. She just needs a minute. She needs a second. We've got numerous friends. So to give you a little bit of uh, hope, Tiernan, if she is the one that you want to be with, you're dead set on it and you guys are supposed to be together. That's the plan. That's what's going to happen. I got numerous friends who were together, broke up, and then ended up back together. And that breakup actually was the solidifier. That breakup was actually the, the icing on the cake and the glue that now holds them together. Because sometimes in order to know what you need, you need to lose it in order to make you realize how much it truly meant to you. So I would leave you with that, Tiernan. Um, as I said, your answer to your question, is goodbye always good? No. I've lost some things I wish I never lost. Not people. Or not relationships, obviously, because I found the one. And I am extremely happy. But certain aspects of my life, different things in my life, things said goodbye. Things ran their course. And uh wasn't always a good thing, but we figured it out as we go. That'll do, uh, that'll about do it for this episode. Um, once again, to everybody who sent in your questions to podcast at michaelchandler.com. Um, and those of you who, who do send in questions, opening your hearts, opening your, yourselves to, uh, having me answer these questions. It's, it's really humbling and it's really awesome. And I appreciate you guys. If you feel like this, uh, episode, anybody that you know, is going through anything that some of these other walk-ons are, uh, are going through, send it to them and, uh, keep spreading the love, keep spreading the message, keep spreading the word. And you guys, 
anything you're going through right now will get better. If we put enough effort into it, if we have enough faith, enough confidence and expectancy, if we continue to operate with integrity, surround ourselves with the best people possible, work as hard as we can, things will work themselves out. And what you're going through right now might seem like it's un- insurmountable, might seem like it's a dead end, might seem like it's the most pain you've ever been through, but this too shall pass. So I'll leave you guys with that. Have a wonderful day. Have a blessed week. Let's crush it in 2024, guys. I appreciate you guys. Walk on. God bless. See you at the top.